Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Besties. Hello, everybody, and welcome to VO Booth Besties. Like our intro said, we're here to help working voice actors get the most important questions answered by industry pros who know. Each week, we'll have a new topic and a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. Speaking of which, we want to make sure you're all current on the new speakers that we have coming up and other exciting opportunities. So we're creating an email distro list. If you want to get on that, just head over to boothbesties.com and shoot us a message with your email, and we'll make sure you're on there. Quick bit of housekeeping, in order to stay on topic and get as many of our questions answered as we can, we're actually going to keep off the hand raising tonight, but the chat will remain open, so if you have any questions for Dan tonight, pop those in there. As you may have noticed, we are down one bestie tonight. NJ is in a musical production, so we are joined by a guest bestie, Amy Stafford. Hey, Amy, thank you for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay! She's going to be monitoring our chat tonight. And without further ado, let's meet our guest. Over to you, A.B. With over 25 years as a professional audio engineer and two decades in the voiceover industry, our guest tonight, Dan Friedman, is an accomplished engineer, producer, director, and author. He is the founder of sound for vo He's the author of Sound Advice, which Backstage calls a must-read for VO talent. Dan is also a coach known throughout the industry for his comprehensive coaching style. On top of all of that, He's also a successful voiceover talent with hundreds of regional television and radio campaigns and corporate narrations to his credit, as well as national campaigns for Heinz, Moe's Southwest Grill, Crown Plaza Hotels, Hulu Plus, Stride Gum, CW Network, Hardee's, PGA Tours, Napa, and many more. So many more that I couldn't even breathe. Over to you, JT. Thank you very much. Dan, we're so glad you're here tonight. Thank you. I am so glad to be here, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. And uh, I'm not sure I've met Alicia face to face yet. Amy, I've met and she's a sweetheart. One of the most photogenic people, I have to say. Oh, seriously. Stop it, Dan. It's so nice of me to say, oh my gosh. Okay. Very cool. So before we begin, why don't you tell us real quickly about your upcoming book and then we'll get right to questions. Yeah, so just uh, last week, I sent my next book off for publishing, and it is not going to be the technical stuff. It's actually going to be about my coaching and my system for coaching and basically getting all of that. It, it It's really like getting the manual onto paper. It's also going to include, in addition to that new stuff, it's going to include some of the tech stuff, but it's also going to include uh, some past blogs and some past articles that I've written for, say, VO Extra or for VO Buzz Weekly uh, uh, or VO Buzz Magazine, I'm sorry, uh, and those types of things. So I hope people will like it. It's going to have some personal stories in there as well, things about my raising my kids and how I relate that to voiceover. Uh, so hopefully there'll be a little something in there for everybody. Very cool. I'm looking forward to it. Thank um, you. And, you know, having coached with you, I can say that I danalize my scripts a lot, which, by the way, everybody, I suggested he named the new book, Danalize This, and that didn't fly. So I, I just... had only because I had my heart set on something else, but <laughs> maybe the next one. All right, cool. 
I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> okay, you got it. <laughs> so last week on Thursday, we had Uncle Roy with us. Yeah. And we touched on a few of the, um, we just kind of went over some basics for mm -hmm. getting started with the audio. And tonight we want to dig a little deeper. Cool. Um, I thought maybe we'd start with the signal chain. Okay. And start at one end and go through the other and just kind of touch on those a little bit because we didn't really get past mics. Okay. Last week. And I think a lot of people, when they hear preamp, just stick their head into the sand and they're like, I don't want to talk about a preamp. So, um, why are they important? Gotcha. Okay. Well, the preamp is the thing that actually boosts the signal. The microphone on its own doesn't have enough power to reproduce the signal when it is recorded. So it doesn't have enough power to do that. So we have to boost it by putting it into a preamp or preamplifier, which therefore boosts that signal coming from the microphone and therefore allows it to be loud enough that it can be recorded. And just like mics, there's a variety of preamps available. Yes. Um, how do you choose the right preamp for the sound that you're going for? Well, for voice actors, it's actually pretty easy. And that is because we are not really looking for much coloration in our sound. In other words, some preamps are, you've probably heard two preamps solid state preamps. Some preamps are very expensive and some are very inexpensive. Uh, there's a, just a host of them out there. But what we're really looking for is a clean and clear signal. So it should sound like us. We're not really looking for coloration. The way a music engineer would use a preamp would be to say, I want to make this guitar sound a little bit more gritty or I want to make this kick drum sound uh, really uh, clean and smooth. So I'm going to use this particular preamp for that purpose. I'm going to use this particular preamp for that, this other purpose. In our case, as voice actors, the only thing we need to really focus on is making sure that we sound as accurate to the way we sound as possible. That's, our, that's the only goal. Okay, now I do use a Summit, which is a, a tube, okay. um, and we buy, the, we buy the tubes already burned in so that my sound is consistent. Okay. And I have a backup. Okay. <laughs> Just in case one goes out or the tube goes bad, I do have a backup. Correct. Because I, I just like that little bit of warmth that the tube adds because I'm using a 416. Well, it's a, it's a smart move to have backup tubes these days anyway, because I haven't really followed this too much, but I have been thinking a little bit about the light bulb industry. And that's really what the tubes are, are light right. bulbs. And I think, you know, now that we are switching over to LEDs and all of this, I think that tubes somehow, someday, maybe not in our lifetime, but eventually will become more scarce. I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. I, it just occurred to me to, you know, I, well, not just occurred to me, but it has occurred to me recently. Because yeah. I was actually looking to replace my lava lamp light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> As I look at it and it's still not replaced. <laughs> oh, that's uh, good. <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't be an engineer if I didn't have a lava lamp in my studio. That's true. And, well, it comes with the certificate, right? I think it does. Yeah. As yeah. a matter of fact, that's, a, that's our trophy. 
(laughs) They they hand you a a piece of paper and a lava lamp. I love it. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So from our preamp, we're heading into a mixer. Well, the, the preamp is actually, you know, generally part of a mixer. If you were, let's say, uh, going in, you know, like the big desks that you see, right? Those preamps are part of that mixer. Okay. Okay. Most of what we're using as voice actors, that's really it. It's going from the the digital uh, ED to a converters, which is changing that analog signal to a digital signal because a computer doesn't hear audio the way we as human beings hear audio. We need to change that sound that we as human beings hear into a digital ones and zeros language and then take that digital ones and zeros language and pump it back out on playback as analog audio that we as human beings can understand. So when we the the preamp in our devices is usually just going straight to that A to D, D to A converter, which puts it into the computer and and then back out. Now, if you were going into a mixer, you would also perhaps a a physical mixer, Mm -hmm. uh, like a hardware mixer, then perhaps, yes, you would also have the benefit, benefit questionable these days, (laughs) Uh, you would have the option, would be a better word, to use an EQ on the mixer. You would also have routing options if you say needed to send that signal elsewhere. That's what, so I got my start in live sound, which means I was the guy who stood in the middle of the concert, you know, with the big desk in front and, you know, set, set the band up and, you know, ran the show. And back when I was doing it, it it wasn't digital. It was analog. Like you you had to know what every single knob does, but it's really not that difficult to know because it's really just a repetition of things and you're just having individual control over each thing. And in Yeah, those but days, it looks impressive. Well, I mean, it's got a lot of lights and faders and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You were the <laughs> cool guy in the room. It, well, you know, it's it's always funny because I, I joke about the people often say I have a very like, I'm very easygoing. I have a very easygoing demeanor. And part of that is because I think I used to work in a situation where if something goes wrong, if the show does not start on time or something like that, and it doesn't matter whether there's three people in the room or 3000 or 13,000, it doesn't matter. If something is not going as planned, if the guitar player falls off the stage during the show. <laughs> they also look to the sound engineer because <laughs> they're like, okay, dude, what are you going to do now? <laughs> so it's an incredible amount of pressure. And, uh, you know, especially if, if you take it, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a job, it's a business. It really is. And, and it was that way even back 25 years ago. So, <clears throat> Uh, you know, if you take it seriously, then you, of course, feel responsible for that. And it's a lot of pressure. But that's one of the nice things about the studio is you do have time. And it's also one of the great things about being a voice actor is that you don't really need to know all those things. You just really need to be focused on, first and foremost, your performance. How good are you to compete? Second, 
the environment that you're in, the room, then the microphone, then the preamp and interface, which really doesn't need to have all those controls to it. It can be pretty straightforward. It's once it goes into your computer that then again, now we're starting to talk about somewhat of a different operation. It's not recording anymore, now it's mixing. And your main focus as the voice actor is to be the recording engineer. So in other words, capture the signal as best as you can. That's your main responsibility because most often after you've captured that signal to your computer, what years ago would have been to tape, after you've done that, then other people, engineers, people who are producing the final product, they're the ones who typically do the post-production with the EQ, the any processing effects that are needed, dynamic effects, compressors, limiters, add sound effects, music, all of those things. So it's typically not something that the voice actor has had to do, but of course, it is something that is certainly beneficial for you to learn because it's one more skill you can offer. And I have found, um, I probably do as much engineering as not. Like 50% of what I send out, I've got to run through a processor because I do it on my auditions. And so I ask, you know, do you want dry or do you want me, do you want it to sound like it did in the audition? And so unless it's going through Source Connect or a, a bigger production studio, they want me to do my thing to it. Cool. Which brings us to the part of the night that so many people don't get. <laughs> okay. This is this is why we brought you here. Okay. Let's talk about some of the the things that we should know how to how to do as voiceover artists. I mean, sometimes you do have to EQ, sometimes you do have to normalize. Sometimes yeah. you want those filters. But yeah. where do you start? Well, the first thing I always say is it always starts and I'm just going to go back to this because I'm a purist. The best sound that you can possibly capture always. So always be looking to solve any problem hopefully in recording, right? So if you notice a problem when you do a sound check, don't just keep going. See if maybe you can fix it beforehand. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, maybe you won't notice, okay? And you can't solve all problems. But the idea is just to make sure that you get the best, capture the best sound that you possibly can right out, right out front because it saves you so much ha hassle on the back end. Now, that's the first thing. Okay, second. It is okay to use a little bit of dynamic compression. Dynamic compression, what that is, and this is usually my first step when I'm making adjustments, I will go to compression first. And what I wanna do with that compression, first of all, what this, I'm gonna take you on a little ride. <laughs> Let's go on a little journey. All right, we're gonna, Snoop Dogg. We're gonna go, go on a little journey through a plumbing system. <laughs> cool. This is very, you, 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 I think you'll like this. So music or sound, not music, but sound in general moves in waves. So we're gonna imagine that we're starting with a river of waves and it's 
there's fast moving waves and there's slow moving waves and there are large moving waves and it's wild, right? This is like our voice in stage one. This is, this is it. Our voice is just out in the wild. Okay. Well, now we're going to, we need to capture this. Okay. So this is what our compressor does. Our compressor is going to capture this river. That's where it starts. And so we feed it into the compressor and that's basically the input setting. Okay. Okay. And then we get to a point where we need to start controlling this river. We need to start cap taking this sound and we need to, the, those, those big waves that are going on, we, we need to control those because they're just, they're out of control. And the little waves, they're so hidden because of these big waves. So we're going to get this river into this control center, basically. And that's where the threshold comes in. Where does, where do we start acting upon, you know, where does this gate, if you will, or this uh, opening uh, to this next phase where we begin to control it? Where, where does that begin to act upon this river? Because sometimes the river doesn't get acted upon at all because it's just not, the waves aren't big enough, right? That would be our soft sounds. Other times it gets kind of loud and it can all be in the same read because we have soft sounds, we have softer vowels, we have louder vowels just naturally. So we're, we're funneling all this now in and our threshold decides when we act upon that river. Now, we're going to go ahead and we're going to kind of close that off. You know, we're going to funnel it into a much smaller pipe now. And this pipe, okay, now all of this audio is, it's all squished in there, okay? But it's our river, it's our, and it's all, all that water is in there. It's trapped and it's compressed, if you will. Now we want to open that back up again, okay? Because we need it to be a, a, a steady flow. So now on the back end, as we release that and, uh, allow the output to open wider, okay? Now we have a contained environment in which this river is flowing in a nice steady manner. All okay. the frequencies are contained and controlled. Does this make sense? Does so far? Help? Does it confuse anybody worse? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have a diagram actually. <laughs> but it won't work in clubhouse right that's the the thing about clubhouse so that's what a compressor does is it controls that flow of audio next we go into eq now in my book i describe how to maneuver an eq system but generally for things like voiceover we rarely need anything below say 60 hertz so 60 hertz is low rumble stuff right you know all that down in there now humans we don't really have a lot of that that's more like say a truck outside driving down your neighborhood street and you don't really hear it as much as you almost feel it in your in in the floor of your house so 60 hertz below that usually we're going to go ahead and dip some of that out of there or what we call base roll off or also known as a high pass filter they're the same thing 
think of it as base being rolled off or falling off the hill. Or if this makes more sense to you, a high pass filter, we're allowing the highs to pass, but not the lows. Okay, that is definitely a question we had on Thursday night. Okay. A lot of people were asking how to set up the high pass filter and just weren't sure how to do it. Yeah, rough, you're going to roughly, it's the lowest setting on your EQ. So in other words, if you're, you got a high, a mid range and a low or whatever variation of that, the lower numbers, 60 Hertz, hundred Hertz, basically anything below 120 for sure is going to be your low frequencies. So, but we don't want to eliminate all of them. So we're going to go to about 60 Hertz. That's usually a very safe spot to start. And you can roll off everything below 60 Hertz or high pass filter. So in other words, it's a high pass at 60 Hertz. Anything above 60 Hertz is going to be allowed to pass through. Okay. I think that probably clarifies a lot of what, what the questions were on that end. Cool. Now that's your, that's, that's your first setting. The next setting is usually what we call, this is uh, on a typical EQ or a parametric EQ where we have a lot of control. The first thing we do is, this is the way I, I call it kind of seek and destroy. Okay. <laughs> and it's kind of cool to look at it that way because I'm not looking to boost frequencies that I like. I'm actually looking to eliminate or reduce frequencies I don't like. The reason I want to reduce frequencies I don't like rather than go and boost frequencies I do like is because by lowering the frequencies I don't like, I'm allowing myself to still have more headroom mm -hmm. or the ability to make my voice or my sound louder without distortion. If I increase, if I were to do the opposite, if I were to increase the things I like, I would have less headroom to make my voice louder before or before it would distort. That's why it's best to uh, eliminate things we don't like or reduce things we don't like. And as a world famous engineer producer Tom Dowd used to say, one cut is worth a thousand boosts. I like that. Yes. Well, he was a brilliant man. He worked on the Manhattan Project. And I don't mean the, like, you know, Manhattan transferred the band or anything. I mean the <laughs> Manhattan Project as in, like, building atomic weapons. Wow. Crazy. Crazy, crazy smart. Woo. What else you want to add out? <laughs> is anybody else like, that seriously me taking notes over here? Or just me? My hand is going to fall off because I'm old school and I'm using a notebook. But I'm like, river, <laughs> river, 60 hertz. Uh, seek and destroy. Well, okay. Uh, Alicia, it's all in my book. Just go out and get the book. <laughs> okay. I love it. That's Amy. That but I'm taking oh, notes sorry. too. I'm the one over here going, I'm, I don't know what I just heard. I need to re-listen to this. <laughs> oh no! If you if you read it, that's the thing. If you read it, and I always intended it for it to be this way. If you read the book and you actually do it as it, you know, as you are reading it, you will learn it. And here's the thing about EQ and all of this stuff: 
is that first of all, most people don't really have a great environment to be listening to this out in the world. So, you know, having studio speakers, things like that. If you don't have an appropriate room, it's gonna be difficult to do this accurately. That's the first thing to just be aware of. The second thing is, is that part of the reason that, you know, I'm good at what I do or because and not just me, but a lot of people are good at what they do in as audio engineers is because, you know, we've been doing it and making comparisons in way that say your regular voice actor has not. You are as a voice actor, you're typically in your studio doing your own thing. Rarely are you comparing yourself to other people. Rarely are you having the opportunity to hear what other people are doing on the same auditions that you're doing. Rarely do you get to hear people on different microphones, Rare, right? All of this stuff. The reason why, you know, that makes me good at what I do is not necessarily because I'm good at what I do, but because at this point, like I have 20 years of doing it. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I've just heard so many things and I understand it, right? So it's really about experience. I think anything that is creative, especially has to be experienced in order to be done well. Completely agree. And I think that's, I think that's a lot of what we see in our industry now, um, because everything is so at your fingertips and so just plug and play. Um, a lot of people, when they're confronted with uh, a less than ideal situation or a less than ideal room sound. Um, they don't know what to do with that. Yeah, you know, you've, well, you've put up the bass traps and you've, you've hung up the curtains and you don't have a booth yet. And nobody starts out with a booth. I'm sorry. Well, okay. Maybe my son, cause he got lucky. <laughs> like our kids might, might be my daughter, off yeah. with a booth. <laughs> but you know, the average adult VO who's just going in, um, you know, you, you need to get rid of that room sound and you need to clean it up as much as you can, but you don't want to distort your voice. So you do have to learn yeah. how, to an extent how to be your own engineer. Yeah. I mean, I, again, look at it this way. You should try to know everything about your business that is important to your business. And that includes the engineering side of things. First of all, nobody should be scared. They really shouldn't because we have endless undo capabilities. True. We, 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 have, we have more power in our cell phones and tablets than the Beatles had when they made Sgt. Pepper. So like, and we don't even need to use all of it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just, there's no reason to be afraid because nearly anything has some level of repair capability at this point. And again, I'm a purist when it comes to this. So I say, you know, if it's garbage in, it's going to be garbage out. So always start with the best capture of the sound that you can. And from there, you know, you can use any of these things, compressors and EQ, all these things, you can use them uh, creatively or you can use them correctively. 
and it is far more fun to use them creatively than it is correctively. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, the other is while we're talking about being able to clean up your audio. Um, now, the mic placement and the yeah. way that you're addressing your mic has so much to do with the the plosives and the pops and the yeah. clicks at the end of your sentences and um it yeah it's and it's an easy fix yeah well first of all you know as far as getting into things like mouth clicks and whatnot that's biology everybody's going to be slightly different as to what helps there uh, and i can certainly get into hydration and all of that uh, but plosives and things you know, really, that is definitely something that you can adjust with a little bit of mic placement, a little bit of lip placement. Um, it's actually, you know, if you smile when you say, Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, right? You're, if you're smiling through your peas, you're not likely to uh, hit them hard enough to make them pop. Uh, so that's one thing that you can certainly do. You can slightly, you know, again, you shouldn't be addressing your microphone generally directly into it. You're going to speak past it. Generally start about six to eight inches away. Adjust accordingly. If your space is a small boxy whisper room type space, you might have to get closer. You might have to get further away. Again, it's all about you know, make these adjustments and don't be afraid. I, I kind of look at mic placement as like imagining if you were, if you had a strike zone, uh, basically from like the end of either clavicle to about your uh, eye level to your chin. So it's kind of in that zone. And you can put the microphone in any spot in that area and it might work really well for you. And then the only change from there is just how close or how far away. So don't be afraid to experiment with these things. A lot of people are just afraid to experiment and you shouldn't be. It's part of, it's part of what is gonna help you overall learn, right? Because if this is about experience, then part of that troubleshooting, part of that process is, is definitely going to help you. It's gonna benefit you. 100%. Um, AB, you wanna take us in at the 30? Absolutely. I was just about to break in. All right. Um, we are going to do a quick room reset. If you've just joined us, we're VO Booth Besties, and our goal is to help working voice actors get their most important questions answered by industry pros who know. Tonight, we're joined by Dan Friedman, and we are discussing all things audio. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I put a link to our LinkedIn page up at the top. If you wouldn't mind hopping over there and joining, we would really appreciate it. We're trying to get up to a certain point so we can do LinkedIn lives. So um, back to you, JT. All right. Before we go any further, Amy, do you have questions from the chat or questions of your own? Yes, um, I had lots of questions. But first off, uh, Tiffany Van Landingham was asking, Dan, we are referring to which book? Did you already get that question answered, Alicia? We're referring nope. to... When okay. You, when so you Dan, said, we're... yeah, when you said which book oh. that you're in your book, it would tell us how all the stuff. Oh, which gotcha. Book. Okay. Sound yeah, advice so or that, the new one? Yeah. 
Yes. So my first book, Sound Advice, VoiceOver from an Audio Engineer's Perspective, that one is the book that will describe all these things about using an EQ, the process for that, how to use a compressor, how to dial that in. And then, of course, it's experimentation on your own, training your ears from there. My next book is really about my coaching and how I will be and how I teach actors to perform and be believable and find their uh, their true intentions and all of that. Mm, okay, so more artistic. Cool. Cool, cool. Okay, well, hopping over to the next question, I was curious, Alicia asked about compression. And I was actually interested to hear your thoughts on this as well. When you have high peaks in your recording, should we be using something external um, or should we be using a compressor in post? What? How do you go about that? For me personally, I go in and I just take all of the what Jim Edgar likes to call peaks and valleys and I highlight the really big peaks and make them a little bit shorter. And, you know, I maybe take a minute or two to do that. Not very long. I don't go through every single one, but I do it manually and there's probably an easier way. So I'm curious to know your thoughts on that, Dan. Well, really, again, you know, I say in the capture, do you the best that you can first. So in a lot of ways, we have to compress our voices on our own, depending on the type of delivery that we're doing. So, uh, and also adjusting your mic placement accordingly as you're doing your read. So those are important things to be aware of just for starters, because that helps monitor those things. And it, as you gain experience, you kind of learn how to work the mic uh, even more. Uh, the next thing is with those uh, peaks and valleys, you know, as long as you are recording with good levels overall, basically hovering somewhere between minus six and minus 12 in your recording and those peaks aren't going into zero to where they're distorted and clipping, you may not really need to worry about them too much at all unless they're really audibly obvious. Or unless one you're a the perfectionist, that, which I can't well, be the only yeah, but, one. No, but but here's the thing. I want to, I just want to remind everybody once it leaves your studio, nobody's looking at it. So if you're not, if you are not hearing anything dramatic there, trust you, everybody needs to learn to trust their ears mm. because, because Can here's the, 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 the truth is, is that remember, this has only been a visual medium at all for 24 years. When I went to recording school, we got the first, some of the very first DAWs where you could see your waveforms. Before mm -hmm. that, it was all on tape, right? So we always had to trust our ears. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. well, can I can I add on that question just a smidge? Because yeah. I, I something is wrong with my. No, I'm just kidding. Something's wrong with my voice. No, I just have a weird I harsh can fix attack. That too. I bet you could. Uh, I keep trying to fix it with coaching, but uh, I just have a harsh attack on random places and it'll be everything else will be beautiful little levels and then there'll just be these random weird uh harsh attacks and i think it's a anyway I, it's a breathing so issue it, it, it yes it's in the middle of words in the that's middle okay. of sentences that's okay it happens it's a breathing it's probably a breathing issue so saying that i haven't fixed that issue yet because that's a much bigger issue than we can tackle in the next 23 minutes maybe not <laughs> well maybe not but uh, if if uh, I think I need to schedule a coaching session with, with you is what I need. But in the meantime, is the best way to do that to use a compressor 
to get rid of those high peaks because what's happening and you say, oh, don't look at it, but all the rest of my volume is lower and I can't normalize to a level that gets me to that kind of like average minus three dB that we want to be at to submit auditions. So everything's too low. Yeah. Well, again, it's going to really be somewhat program dependent because if, you know, you can't say because it might be different for commercial something than it is a read you do for narration where, because the, the performance alone may make a pretty big difference on what type of script it is. Because just because it's a peak, again, doesn't necessarily mean I want to reduce it. If I'm, if I have a moment, say where, hey, I have to be zany. And then, uh, oh, Jesus, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if it's something like that, then it would naturally have a loud moment in it. And you don't want to take that away. There's not, and there's nothing wrong with leaving it. You know what I mean? So the program material would call for that. So it's okay in that instance. And in other instances, a lot of times it has to do, again, with uh, it could be a breathing issue. First of all, we want to breathe through our noses. I, this is the hardest thing that people, when I get to work with them, is breathing through their nose. But it is the most effective and efficient way to use your vocal cords. So by breathing through our nose and into our diaphragm, it just allows our vocal cords to work so much more efficiently. And I never have to worry about running, running out of air at the end of a sentence. Or often, if I do need to be dynamic, I have all the air that I need to do it for uh, until I'm ready to take another breath. So a lot of these things can be fixed on the, uh, on the front end and the recording side. And I, I don't want to, you know, take the wind out of the sails on this one, but that was like the hardest thing for me. We yeah, did what, 12, 13 weeks of coaching. And <laughs> how many times did you remind me? Breathe through oh, your nose. Yeah. And <laughs> until I started doing it in my car yeah. for practice. Well, here's the thing. You know, look at it this way. You should be uh you should be breathing through your nose, or you should be breathing through your mouth as often as you eat through your nose. <laughs> Seriously. Because in regular <laughs> speech. In regular speech, right? If I'm breathing through my nose, I'm keeping my voice, my vocal cords moist. They're working efficiently. And not only that, I'm not having issues with like vocal fry or those types of things. Because I'll tell you, ladies, especially, if you want to sound older faster, definitely talk with vocal fry. Because by the time you're 50, you're going to sound like you've been smoking your whole life since you know since you were in your teens but breathe through your nose all the time and when you're in your 70s 80s you might have a very still very strong robust voice that can sing beautifully because when we're talking like this all the time it's just so much air and it's really a lot of rasp and it's like sandpaper Not so scarlett johansson's got like 10 good years left <laughs> well we know it was a style for a while as well. Oh, but, it was. oh. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but we're done with that, aren't we? I and hope. Really? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I got an audition for that sound yesterday. 
Look, it has its place. It has its place. And it's certainly a sound that can be very appealing, but it can also really grate on you if there's too much of it and it's not an appropriate reason to have it. True. Okay, I'm just going to pipe in and say, does, has anyone told their spouse or person they live with to does it, does it bother you now more that you're a voice actor when you hear other people speak that way? Like my husband and I were sitting at the table yesterday and I said, can you please like speak on breath? Just, you know, speak because he was like uh, tired at the end of the day and he was sounding so it just it hurt me. It hurt me to hear him speak as though he were hurting himself. Right. Am I the only one that does that? No. <laughs> right. Anyway, that's all. Carry on. <laughs> Do we have any more questions? Yes, Amy? we do, actually. Um, so Casey had a pretty specific question early on. Um, I think I'll go to her second question, which was, um, how do you feel about the new 5th Gen Rode NT1? Is it a game changer or is it overhyped? Haven't heard it yet. Can't tell you till I hear it. Okay. Well, then maybe we'll jump to her other question, which was... She says she has a tube mic that she wants to try, and it came with its own, what she thinks is a preamp. Yes. Well, um, no, it's actually the power supply. Okay. She plugs, plugs into the wall and has Correct. a six-prong. Okay. You know what you're talking about. Yes. Uh, um, so what that is, is a, it's the power supply. Tube preamps don't require phantom power, or tube microphones don't require phantom power because they come with their own power supplies. Okay, so, so she says, should I just connect the XLR to my focus right that's plugged into my laptop and don't hit the 48 volt button? Yes, that's fine. She would will not need the will not need the 48 volt phantom power on the focus right. Basically, yes, she's got it exactly right. And don't turn on the power supply until everything is plugged in. You don't want to hot plug a mic. Yeah, that's definitely a, a, something that uh, we definitely don't like to do, mostly because it can really make a very loud popping sound in your speakers. It's it's probably not going to damage it, but you don't want to do it repeatedly, that's for sure. So explain the difference between preamp and power supply really quick. Um, I know you did roughly at the beginning, but we have some new people in the room. Yeah, well, in the case of you know, only a tube microphone will have the power supply. The tube microphone has a, it requires its own power supply because it's designed specifically for the circuitry of that microphone. So, but it does, it's not the preamp. It doesn't boost the signal or anything. It just simply allows us to determine, often it allows us to determine what polar pattern we're going to be using. And also it powers the microphone. That's what it does. Awesome. And a preamp boosts the signal of a microphone to make it usable, to make that signal usable. Do you want to touch on mic patterns real quick while you mentioned it? Sure. Mic patterns are just how a mic captures sound. We, we are typically looking for a cardioid polar pattern, which if you look at it graphically, it looks kind of like a upside down heart or an upside down pumpkin. And what that means is that that is essentially the shape that sits over the microphone that as to how it captures sound. So imagine if you were to place a basketball with one side punched in uh, in front of your 
the diaphragm of your microphone, that would essentially be like a cardioid pattern. So the half that is expanded would be, that's the part that's capturing, but the part that's punched in, the microphone is rejecting sound from that side. Okay, it looks like we have a couple um, more in there. Yeah, Dan, somebody wants to know, can preamp cause noise? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the preamp, the going, going back to my uh, plumbing analogy, is essentially like a pump. It's pumping the sound, right? So if you need a lot, if you have a, a cheap preamp and you require a lot of it, a lot of it to get a good signal, then it's probably going to be pretty noisy. If And that's why we want good preamps, because we're able to get a lot of gain without any distortion or, or noise from the preamp itself. So when you're looking at very cheap preamps, that that's often the, the problem is that, you know, you need to crank it up past, you know, if we're looking at it as though it were the input knob as though it were a clock. If we're having to crank it up way past two, three, you know, into four o'clock to get a decent signal with an inexpensive or cheap preamp that is of low quality, you're going to get noise as you continue to turn it up. But with a good quality preamp, you might be able to, you know, get to 11 o'clock and get a perfectly good signal like I can on my universal audio, for instance, uh, and still have, you know, I can still go, you know, halfway up the clock if I needed to. Does that make sense? <clears throat> I believe so. Uh, okay. Anything else, Amy? Uh, I'm trying to figure out which questions would be best for the group um, and kind of help out the most people here in our last few minutes. Kaylee, I believe that's, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. She wants to know if recording, because you absolutely have to, and you're affected by allergies or congestion, is the 1000 to 2000 hertz area for EQ good for both men and women in general? Or should I play with sweeping the frequency to see where that, that nasality lies? Well, you do have to sweep the frequency because it's going to be a little bit different for everybody. But, you know, I, I mean, you're not going to be able to remove a lot of allergy sound necessarily if you're, you know, if you really got, you know, that blocked nasal sound. That's going to, you know, you're, you're going to have a tough time removing that just with frequencies alone. But the real honky kind of what I call squawky sounds like megaphone sounds are up in that 1K area in 900, 1K. I, I don't like that particular frequency range. It's, it's part of the reason why I'm not a big fan of the Rode NT mic um, is that it, uh, it, it, I know Roy likes it. I'm not as much a fan. Uh, compare, if I compare it to say like a Neumann TLM 103, because the road has a bump at 1K. So that's in an area that is not appealing to me. Whereas the, th uh, uh, the TLM 103 has a bump at 3K. And that is an area that is appealing to me. That's where the voice kind of starts to really come alive. So by the microphone alone, I generally will prefer uh, a TLM 103 sound over a road NT1 sound just simply because of that frequency difference. 
but that doesn't mean I couldn't work with either one of them. It's just a, a, a preference. Uh, but yes, that 900 to 1K area, you're definitely going to get kind of that squawky stuff. So be aware of that. Uh, and good luck with the uh, allergies. If you lose your voice, reach out. I can help you get it back. If you're if you're swallow if you're swallowing and it doesn't hurt, but your voice is, uh, if you have lost your voice or it's overused or overused or misused some way, I can help you get it back. Dude, I did not know that. Yeah, and quickly too. Okay, living in, I'm not kidding, they call it the allergy capital of the Northeast. That is good <laughs> to know. <laughs> I will be calling you next month when everything starts to bloom. Yes, uh, it's, it's, it's good stuff. It really works. I actually have been working with a student uh, for the last several weeks. She had bronchitis and Ooh. I helped her. Uh, she was she was over the bronchitis as far as it, like it wasn't affecting her throat or anything like that, but uh, it was affecting her breathing and all of that. And she still couldn't get her voice back as a result. And I helped her get that back. Uh, and there was something that Elsa came up a little earlier. I just wanted to touch on. And that was I also had somebody recently who had a, an incident in their studio that involved um, not having their microphone turned in the right direction. And they couldn't figure out why their sound had changed so much. So yes. I just want to say it doesn't really matter, you know, what's going on in there. You can figure it out. In most cases, you just need to, you know, think like, what are all the options? Just try, attack them one step at a time. There's not much. There's not much that can go wrong. So don't be afraid. Yeah. And I think you just need you need to understand your chain. Yeah. So that if you're troubleshooting. You start at one end and go through it step by step by step. And, yep. you know, that's right. that's so it. as someone who did not know for a really long time what that meant, when someone would say, just know your chain, what's your chain? Tell me about your chain. I'm like, I don't know what you mean. So yeah. can you tell your, our newest, newer beginners, what do you mean by your chain? Your signal chain. So it all, as I say, it all starts with you, then your environment then your microphone, your cabling, your preamp, interface, computer, speakers, headphones. That's your entire signal chain from, from recording to from capturing sound to hearing it back. Beautiful. So all the things that connect together to get you your From point A to product. point B. That's right. From, from, mouth, from mouth to ears. That's awesome, Dan. Thank you so much. I, You're um, welcome. Can you also clarify what sweeping the frequency means? Sure. So sweeping the frequency means what I like to do the way, and I kind of guess we got a little bit away from this earlier, but on a parametric EQ, you have three important settings that you have to be aware of. And one is Q, which means bandwidth. And that selects basically the width, how much if you look at it horizontally, and like I said in my book, Sound Advice, there's actually pictures you can see. So it selects the amount, of basically, like, am I going to go all the way from 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz, or am I going to select a smaller region, say 100 hertz to 200 hertz? That is Q. That is bandwidth. The next setting that is important is going to be the boost or uh, the boost or uh, Oh, gosh, uh, I'm totally spacing right now. Uh, booster dip, right? So 
that's the so you're going to increase the volume of that frequency range or you're going to decrease the volume of that frequency range i usually start by increasing it and then i sweep the frequencies so now the next thing is is i move that band if i've chosen say 100 to 200 i'm now going to just keep that frequency range but now i'm going to move it up the scale closer towards 20,000 which is at the top of the human hearing range or I'm going to sweep it all the way back down when it's peaked like that. So when I hear the things that are clearly distorted or that I clearly don't like the sound of, now, rather than having it boosted all the way, now I'm going to lower it and I'm actually going to put a dip there or, uh, or what we call a notch, right? I'm going to notch it out. But I start by finding or sweeping through the frequencies with the volume of that frequency range selected loud so i can find it mm. seek and seek and destroy right so i'm seeking it and by uh turning it up louder i'm going to have an easier time finding it and then i'm once i found it i'm going to destroy it which means i'm going to drop it out yeah not all the way just enough so that it sounds better like that's the other thing too is you got to remember we need to sound like us. We're not uh, creatively or correctively, right? Like I said earlier, we use this stuff creatively or correctively. So ultimately in this stage, as the voice actor, you just need to make a few little corrective choices just to, just to clean it up a little bit because yeah. you, can't, you can't make drastic decisions that can't be undone later. Because ultimately, I might need you to sound like you are in the same environment as three other voice actors. Right. All in different cities, different towns, or, uh, you know, a, per, uh, a production has certain specifications that we need to meet, right? I mean, there's all kinds of creative decisions that need to be made. And if you, your sound is so drastically out of place, Mm -hmm. then we can't make those creative decisions or we're limited in those decisions. So guys, do we have time for one more question? Cause I wanted to kind of piggyback on what Dan was just talking about. You yeah, do with me. I'll stick around. I, I, okay. I have, I have no other plan tonight. It's already late on the East coast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you were talking about different environments, right? When you're recording with two different people, maybe you're doing a source connect session. You want to sound like you're in the same place. What about when you're doing, say, a video game or an animation audition and you have to scream in some parts and other parts you have to whisper? Um, my uh, technique, I guess, if you can even call it that, is obviously just very simple. I just turn down the gain if I need to scream and then I turn it back up for the parts when I need to be a little more intimate. Um, I find that once I'm done sort of normalizing and EQing everything, it still kind of sounds like I might be in two different places. Is there a way to make a video game uh, audition like that sound a little more cohesive? Am I doing something wrong? I don't know if anyone else has trouble with that. Well, here's what I would say. Why would you want it to sound more cohesive? Because the way I look at it is, especially in an audition, you have seven seconds to for the listener to determine whether or not they're going to continue to listen to you. And if, you're deli if your delivery is the same 
for all these, for whatever it is, if it sounds similar, if it sounds the same, then they have every reason to just say, I've heard this already and I'm just going to turn this off. Mm, good call. So I am actually all about some of these differences, okay. especially in a, especially in a uh, video game or animation, because the more interesting you can make that, the, the more likely the casting director is going to want to continue to listen and be like, and I, that was creative. I want to work with this person. I guess my concern is that when I send in these auditions, they don't sound like they would in broadcast, right? And so, or not your job, right? I, I guess I've heard, I've heard you want to make it sound as much like the end product as you as you can. So if you're not concerned, I'm not concerned. I just wanted to bring that up. I don't know if anyone else stresses as much as I do about those things for some people you you know i I mean again i always say the most important thing as the voice actor that you need to focus on as far as the engineering side of things is being the recording engineer everything else is, is can either can be easily dealt with from there so get a good recording and everything else you know will fall into place it awesome. always starts with the capture. Great. And thank you. In a situation like my my setup, um, I don't actually have access to anything in my booth except my keyboard and my monitor and my microphone. Everything else is outside the booth. So I need to use proximity to the mic for things like that. If I'm going to yell, I need to back up. If I'm going to get intimate, I need to be on top of the mic. Yeah. Because I don't have the gain in there to be able to turn it up and down. Yeah. And that's okay. And you can, you know, there's something else that you can do. You can also break it up into different parts. There's nothing that says that you have to do, I'm going to do the soft thing. Then I'm going to do the loud thing. Then I'm going to do the middle thing. Right. I mean, go ahead. If you have a, a, a plan and you have certain things that you know for sure, okay, this has to be loud this is clearly loud, this, okay, this is really whispery. You know, I got three other things that are also really whispery. So, you know, you don't have to record them in order. It doesn't have to be linear. Um, you know, you can mix all this stuff up. It's just some, sometimes people don't think about that, but you can, you know, so you, that way you're reco- you, you set one track for your loud stuff, another track for your soft stuff, another track for your conversational stuff. And that way you're recording with your gain set where you need it to be for each of those things for that part. Does anyone put it together later? Does anyone else still not know logistically what that means? (laughs) Or it's just me. Um, How do you, how do you split channels? Okay. So it would depend on your DAW. So if let's say if you have twisted wave, for instance, then you don't have that option, right? It's just going to be one That's why I'm confused. or a stereo, yeah. right? A stereo pair. If you are using a DAW that has multi-tracks. So for instance, I'm a Cubase user. Um, and I have, I mean, I've done an album with 70 tracks before there or a song that had 70 tracks. So we're voice actors, we only need one. But if you have that capability, you can set it up, you know, okay, here's track one, here's track two, here's track three. And I'm gonna record this loud stuff first, then I'm gonna go to the other stuff and you can just put it on separate tracks. And that way, 
you know, you can, or if you keep it on one track, just still record all your loud stuff first or your soft stuff first, and then keep it on the same track, then make one gain adjustment and do then all that next stuff. I mean, there's a number of ways you could be more efficient probably with it if you do it, yeah. you know, uh, rather than the yeah. back and forth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But even in Twisted Wave, like I could create, I mean, I don't, I don't know if this would be the correct way to do it, but I could create a stereo file and do the two different gain levels and then merge them to mono. Would that work? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, okay, do cool. do record everything on the left channel one way and record everything on the right channel the other way. Sure, why not? So much knowledge poured into our heads tonight that I may <laughs> need to go back, Dan, and listen to this a couple of times and then buy your book. Well, yeah, I always feel like I'm doing good, and then I hear somebody talk about something like this, and I'm like, oh, I could be doing better. That's always a good thing. You know, that's why I'm here. I am here to help people. The I have been in this business a long time. And the one thing that I never really, you know, sought out necessarily, I mean, even when I wrote my first book, I, I wasn't seeking out, you know, uh, like, uh, oh, I'm going to, you know, help all these talent with all this stuff. I'm just going to write this book and then then I won't need to because the book will be here. <laughs> uh, but as it's turned out that that is really where uh, my career has has really gone. And, and that is what I love doing most is just helping talent be the very best that they can be in all aspects of this business, whether it be in the studio or performance. I, I, I love it. it. It just supercharges me. And we appreciate that very much. And I, man, this hour has flown by. Thank you again for joining us. But before you go, we like to ask our guests three for fun questions, a little chicken slipped in style. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm almost afraid of the answers we're going to get tonight. Uh-oh. Uh, Jen, I thought we discussed that it was going to be four questions. I did have an extra question in there. Do you remember what that was? Yes. Well, I will let you ask that after my third one. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You can come up, pop in and, and ask the fourth I, question. I cannot so. wait. I am so excited. This is, this is actually the part I'm looking forward to the most. Like, are, Dan, you don't know the I'm, question. But I'm terrified too. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. Question number one. What singer, band, or composer are you most enjoying right now? The Backseat Lovers. There is this band called the Backseat Lovers, and they're out of the, the Northwest. Uh, and they're not this, they have a brand new album out and I'm not as connected to that one as much as the previous one. The previous one, when we were friends, I'm pretty sure it's called, and it is just, it is fantastic. It's one of the best albums I've heard in a long time for real. And I, I listen to it start to finish genre. Uh, it's kind of like a rock. It's kind of rock. It's not, I wouldn't call it like, jam band rock although it has a little bit of those elements uh but it's not jammy um they still have like some pretty decent hooks and you know it's like i just love them i just do they're they're just they're just so good so good cool all right we'll have to check that out i don't know if you listen to podcasts but if you do what have you been listening to lately jody krangle's podcast i've actually been on a few times Um, i love her podcast yeah, she she's really doing some great stuff with it, and she's just a she's just a great person all around. I really just uh, just really enjoy uh, you know hanging out with her uh, and doing stuff with her. And I've actually been listening to Clubhouse a lot more than actual podcasts, and everything from 
uh, entrepreneur stuff to uh, motivational stuff, that kind of, all of it. That, that, that probably more, more, definitely Clubhouse more than podcasts. I kind of pop on for a few minutes, see if I'm interested. And if I do, I stick around. If I get really interested, I might pipe up, but that's kind of that's, what I've been up to. And that's the beauty of Clubhouse too. I like that. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite dessert? My favorite dessert. Well, it used to be key lime pie until I learned how to make it. And <laughs> once I learned how to make it, I realized this is too easy. Like I need something, you know, challenging. So I definitely do like, I'm kind of jamming on, uh, it, it's called Kado, Jamo, uh, Kado Mocha Chip Ice Cream. And it's made out of avocados, but it tastes like coffee ice cream with chocolate chips. And it's super healthy because it's made from avocados. So what? I'm jamming on that dessert lately. Um, but the best, but I have, I I've actually made a dessert that is like bakery worthy. And so I'm going to only mention it because I have to, and that I have made a, a, a chocolate raspberry tort that oh. is, was described Whoa. as nothing short of orgasmic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't ask for the recipe for that one, but if you want to go ahead and post the avocado ice cream one, you know, tag it in uh, when we post well, the podcast tomorrow. That'd be cool. Well, <laughs> Craig wants the recipe. Yeah, well, <laughs> well played. I love it. That's great. So, uh, Dan, what is the most traumatic experience of your childhood? <laughs> kidding. Just kidding. Wow. You're Jesus. never going to have me back. You're never going to have me back. We lost a lot of listeners just now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I just wanted to say thanks, Dan, for being here. And um, yeah, I, I won't ask you the question I was going to ask. I, I, can I? Can I? Can I? Can I guess what it is? Yeah. I think you were going to ask me which singer for Van Halen I liked better. Oh my gosh, you're in my brain. Yes, and Dan. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, and Scott Parkin would be so proud of me right now. What? <laughs> Answer the question for us. <laughs> sure. Well, it's an actually interesting answer because truthfully, Michael Anthony is the most important singer in Van Halen and always has been because he is the sound of Van Halen. As far as vocally, he is the sound that makes them cohesive from the first version to the second version and even the third. So Low clap. Mm -hmm. Michael Anthony is the is really the guy. The thing is, is. I like Sammy, but I, I have a personal reason for that. And that is that I met Sammy Hagar when I was 14 years old, standing outside of their hotel as I was going to see Van Halen the night after. Oh, and wow. I was a 14 year old punk kid. He had no reason to spend any time with me, but he did. He and his wife and his son, who was two years old at the time, they spent probably 10 minutes with us, my brother oh, wow. and I and just chatted us up. And, you know, it was like, I, I mean, I remember just, I was on my skateboard and my brother was on his bike and we were racing home and just like, man, I can't wait to tell mom. And we're like, damn it, we should have invited him to dinner. You know, like- <laughs> I totally would have come. Yeah, he might've come, but my mom would have been pissed. <laughs> She'd have been like, what? what are you bringing people home without letting me know? <laughs> That's so sweet. I feel like that experience formed you and made you to be the nice human that you now are because you know now you're now you want to give back as well you want to give people your time and I'm sure people come to you as you came to him that day and you know think that 
you're sort of untouchable or, I mean, not literally, but you know, what I'm, oh my gosh, I'm so awkward. You know what I mean? Like, you, oh, Danny, <laughs> like this big guy in the industry, like ugh, whatever. That right? is super. And, that is super sweet that you would even categorize it even close to anything like that. So thank right. you. That's yeah. that is that is super sweet of you. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is, is I've had a, a lot of opportunity to meet some really incredible people in in my years in in this business and in radio and all of that. And the vast majority of them, I mean, Steven Tyler uh, stands out as being an incredible individual. Sammy Hagar stands out as being an incredible individual. Uh, you know, it's just always so nice when you're here. Eddie Van Halen, uh, stood out as being an, a really great, kind person. Um, and it's just always so rewarding when those people are everything that you hope they would be. Uh, but also, not everything that you hope that they would be as in they're also <laughs> down to earth they're cool they can you know they can just chat it up a little bit and that is just it's just awesome it's just awesome to 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 put those things in perspective and perspective is just it's 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 jen you know perspective right absolutely a critical element a critical element to what i teach so well, I have the sad, sad job of wrapping this beautiful party up to a close and tying it up with a bow. So thank you, Dan, so much for joining us. And oh, everybody in the really audience, know. thank you as well. So, hey, guys, reach out. Reach out to me. Dude, yeah, you know, don't be afraid. I'm here to help. And also, if you're coming to VO Atlanta, reach out to me there, too. Don't be afraid. I, I want to talk to you. I want to help you. I want to help you be the best you can be. Oh, we, we put the I link. Go ahead, Amy. Really quick, I just have to tell you that last year at VO Atlanta, I did not have a lanyard for some reason. They were, you know, there was a trouble. There was they had trouble getting enough lanyards for everybody. And Dan, who I had just met, said, "I'm going to get you a lanyard." And sure enough, he did. He came back in an hour or two, and he had a lanyard for me. So he's the guy. Aww. Let's give it up for Dan. Yes, <laughs> the lanyard man. And I'll have more this year, I think. And we have um, Dan's book is in the chat. The link. So don't. Don't miss that. If you scroll up a little bit, you should be able to find it. And don't forget that we've grown to two nights a week. So Thursday night, we'll be joined once again by Cast Voices founder and casting director Liz Atherton. She's going to give us live feedback on our audition submission workshop. We have had over 200 submissions. Um, so we're selecting carefully and going to play some really great things. And Liz is going to react to them and it's going to be great. So this is your chance. Yeah, this is our chance to hear auditions with two takes, just as a casting director would, and hopefully use this as an opportunity to learn from other people to level up your own audition process. Also, be sure to keep that conversation going on LinkedIn and follow VOBB on Facebook as well. If you want to hear replays of tonight's episode or previous ones, you can now listen on our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're now on Apple Podcasts, which I'm super excited about because it makes it so much more convenient to listen on my phone. So thank you. Thank you, everybody. And good night. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. Video Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing. thing.